Awesome. So tonight, or this morning, um, you're going to have to just bear with me because I am probably going to go into Wednesday night. Is that okay, Chris? Okay, so since, uh, since last August, I've been able to be helping with the kids' ministry. And uh, Chris Hopkins and Christine, they're, they're in charge of it. And so occasionally, uh, when, when they feel the spirit move, they're like, hey, pastor, you get to teach tonight. And so I always love teaching children. It's, it's so enjoyable. But it's a little bit different than teaching adults. So I'm off the platform, and I am going to just simply talk to the first couple of rows. And if you think, hey, he's not even, he's ignoring me, I am. I am talking to these kids because these are the ones I want to fall in love with Jesus. And uh, it's going to be great. So here's the question that we're going to talk about today that I think is so just exciting. Like, what is the Bible, right? How many of you think you can answer it? What is the Bible? All right, raise your hand. Thank you. All right, so I'm not going to ask you to answer it out loud right now because we don't want to embarrass your mom and dad, all right, because you know they don't. But what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what the Bible actually is. So if you would open up the Bible, you'd see all kinds of things. Some people think the Bible is like a storybook. So you could open up a book about, it's called Aesop's Fables, and it's going to have all kinds of different things in the table of contents. It's going to have stories about about the tortoise and the hare, where, where they want to learn to keep trying. There's all kinds of moral stories inside of Aesop's fables that some of you, your mom and dad, probably have read to you at at bedtime. So is the Bible just a whole bunch of stories about how to live right? Thank you, David. I appreciate that. Give me five. Good job. And there's some. When I was younger, I used to like reading Encyclopedia Brown. So Encyclopedia Brown is a little bit different than Aesop's Fables because Encyclopedia Brown, every story inside of Encyclopedia Brown is all about Encyclopedia Brown. Like we don't read one story about somebody else and then some about somebody else. Every story in Encyclopedia Brown is all about Encyclopedia Brown. So it's so cool because every story is about how he solved another case. It's all about one person. When we open up our Bibles, and how many of you read your Bibles? Awesome. When we open up our Bibles, if we were to go to the table of contents, just like we were looking at in those other books, here's what we would find. We would find that the Bible has all these different words. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. And then there's, there's even names like Micah and Nahum and Habakkuk. I'm not sure what that kid did wrong for his parents to name him Habakkuk, but they named him Habakkuk. So we really look at the Bible and we're like, well, well, is the Bible just a whole bunch of stories that are, are, are all by themselves and they're just teaching us how to live? Is that what the Bible's all about? Well, on Wednesday nights, and moms and dads, just so you know this, every Wednesday night, we are opening up what we call the Jesus Storybook Bible. And inside the Jesus Storybook Bible, we look at all the different Stories that we see in Scripture. And when I say story, I want you to think it's not a real story like it's totally made up. It's just telling someone's story. But when we look at every story, one of the things that we see in the Jesus Storybook Bible is this, that, that we read this little statement. Every story whispers his name. I remember picking up this book for the first time. And I thought to myself, well, we're going to look at a couple of different stories, like a man named Abraham, a man named Adam, a man named Noah. And my question was like, 
How in the world does every story whisper the name of Jesus? That doesn't make sense. Like when we read about Encyclopedia Brown, every story says Encyclopedia Brown. But when we read the Bible, every story doesn't say Jesus. So how in the world could every story in the Bible whisper his name? Well, the first five stories that we looked at in the Jesus Storybook Bible, um, it started with creation. And then we looked at how Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. And then, then we heard about Noah and the ark. Oh, and then the Tower of Babel and Abraham and Isaac. Those are some of the first stories we looked at. But here's the question, like how in the world do all these stories, how are they connected? Again, we know Encyclopedia Brown. It's all about Encyclopedia Brown. And how does every story in the Bible whisper the name of Jesus? How does Abraham and Isaac, how is it connected to the Tower of Babel? How is the Tower of Babel connected to creation? How is creation connected to Noah? And how do they all point us to Jesus? Man, so that's what we started looking at. And there's two words that I want you to learn today. That every time we come to this particular image behind me, we're going to stop and we're going to say these two words together. Not just the first two rows, everyone in the auditorium. We're going to say these two words together probably six times today. So help me out. Every time we come to a story and we look at what the story says in the Bible, we're going to stop and we're going to ask these two questions. Where is God's presence? And what is God's provision. So, say these words with me. Would you guys help me? Don't, don't leave me on my own, okay? All right, here we go. On three, we're gonna say God's presence, God's provision. And I'm gonna invite all of you to do the same thing. Ready? One, two, three. God's presence and God's provision. One more time, ready? God's presence and God's provision. Great, so let's start with creation. Look, we know what creation is. God created the world. He, he spoke the world into existence. And, and it was so cool. He created, he created the skies and then the waters. And then he filled the skies with birds. He filled the waters with fish. He made the land and he filled the land with people. But there's one thing, one thing that God did differently with you and me. When God made people, he did something totally different when he made people than he did with animals. This is why you are way more important than a dog. This is why you are way more important than a gorilla. You are way more important than one of those cute little koalas. Yes, you are. Yes, yes. And here's why. Because when God wanted a koala, guess what he did? He said, I want a koala. Koala was there. When God said, I want an elephant. All he did was speak the word. But when God said, I wanted man, he stopped. He got dirty. He put his hands into the ground and he, the Bible says he made us out of the dust. You can't make anything out of dust. You ever try to make anything out of dust? It just, but God took dust, he put it together. And then, and then this is so cool. This is why you are so different than any animal in the world. God did something to mankind. He went, And 
And God blew his breath into man. <laughs> Isn't that cool? He didn't blow his breath into an, a whale. He didn't blow his breath into an ant. He blew his breath into mankind. And he got to stop and ask the question, well, why did God make man? Did God need? No, God doesn't need anything. So why would God make the world? Why would he make man? And there's only one reason why God created you. There's only one reason why God created you. Because God wanted you to experience his amazing glory. Oh, God wanted you and I to experience his amazing glory. This is why he created the world and why he created mankind. And so when we stop and we look at creation and we go, well, you know what happened in the Garden of Eden? The Bible says that Adam and Eve walked with God. Ha! God's presence. And then guess what was in the Garden of Eden? Anything they wanted to eat. God's provision. Ha! So Genesis 1-1 tells us in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So we know the story of creation. So now we're going to stop. What are we looking for? Two things. Ready? God's presence and God's provision. And here's how we find it. God created everything. And then God and man walked together. That was the presence. And God provided all that mankind needed. But wait a second. Creation is about Jesus is every story whispers his name. How does creation tell us about Jesus? Oh, I'd love to tell you. Because Jesus actually created all things. It tells us in the book of Colossians, Jesus was the creator of everything in heaven and everything in the earth and everything under the earth. Huh. Jesus is the creator. And then, oh, this is so cool about Jesus. He left heaven to come to this earth to walk with man as man. That's his presence. And guess what Jesus provides to every one of us? Whatever we truly need. He's not going to give us everything we want. What would you like, David? Switch. A switch, a Nintendo switch, huh? Jesus may not give you one more video game, all right? But he'll give you everything you truly need, which is eternal life through himself. So that, that's all creation. But then we, we go to the next story. The next story is sin in the garden. And, and that's when Adam and Eve, who had everything around them, they knew they were created by God. And God said, you can have anything you want to except for that one tree. And they're like, we don't need that one tree. We have everything else. But then somebody came whispered in their ear like, you want the one tree? You want the one tree? And they're like, yeah, we want the one tree. And so they went and they took the fruit that God had said, you don't take of this tree. If you take of this tree, wait, it's going to cost you my presence. I didn't provide that for you. I provided so much more. Oh, but Adam and Eve took they listened to the serpent who tempted them. They took the tree and now guess what they did after they sinned? Genesis 3.8 tells us they hid 
themselves from the presence. Oh no! That's exactly why God created them. He wanted his presence to be with them and now that they've sinned, they're hiding from his presence. Oh no! Oh, thank you. But we got to look for two things. What are we looking for? Ready? God's presence and God's provision. So as we look in, we look at the sin in the garden, here's what we see. We see that they did not trust God's provision. They listened to Satan's temptation. And when they sinned, they, they hid from his presence. And as a result, they had to leave the garden. And they had to work the ground to make themselves be able to provide. Oh, well, but that's sin in the garden. How in the world does that connect us to Jesus? Because it says every story whispers his name. Oh, well, let me tell you, this is how it connects to Jesus. Ready? When Jesus came to this earth, he trusted God's provision. And when Satan came and said, you're hungry, here, turn these stones into bread, he said, no. the word is enough. More than I need bread, I need the word of God. And then Jesus never sinned, but Jesus became sin for us on the cross. And guess what happened when Jesus became sin? Oh no, the son of God, the presence of his father turned from him for the first time ever when he became sin for us. But that work that Jesus did it provides our way. The ones who sinned and had to hide, Jesus' work provides our way back. We don't work ourselves like Adam and Eve had to go toil. No, we don't have to do that. Jesus has done that for us. But this leads me to a question. So can you put your hand on your chin like this, or put your finger on your chin like this, and go, hmm. One more time. Hmm. So here's the question. God created a world in perfection, but Adam rebelled against God. And because of that, he was forced to leave the garden. And the question is, would mankind now change his ways? Will they say, oh, we saw what sin did. We'll never sin again. We always want to have God's presence with us and we will always, we will always trust in God's provision. And the answer is, no, they didn't. In fact, if you read just the first couple chapters of your Bible, you will find that mankind so much rebelled against God that God looked at him and said, I can't stand this. Every evil, every, every imagination of their heart is only evil continually. And so God did to the earth what we do with our hands when it gets so dirty. We walk to the sink and we wash it with water. So God looked at a sin-cursed earth and he said, I'm going to cleanse it. And that leads us to the story of Noah and the ark. See, Noah and the ark is connected to sin. 
So what do we know about Noah and the ark? Well, we know that God chose this one man, Noah, and, and he built this really big wooden boat, and he had all these animals, like two at a kind, two at a time, come inside, and, and they filled this ark up, and, and it rained for 40 days and for 40 nights, and finally it landed on a mountain, and God said, okay, it's time to get out. And, and the, so, so they all got out, and then God said, now you have a brand new earth. I've cleansed the earth from sin. You have a brand new earth. Hmm. I wonder if they're going to follow him in this brand new earth. Well, here's what we see in Genesis 9, 1. After God brought Noah and the animals back out of the ark, it says, then God blessed Noah and his sons and told them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. How cool is that? God saved one man and his family and said, now go multiply across the whole earth. And so, well, we got to pause, say, well, ready? Where is God's presence and God's provision? Well, in Noah and the ark, God punished the world for their sin. He was present. He saw their sin and he said, the sins got to leave my presence, but he provided salvation for one family. And, and, and it's so cool. God told, God told Noah, look up in the sky and you'll see a promise. A promise in the rainbow. I'll never flood the earth again. Wow, that's a, that's a cool thing about Noah, but, but, but what does that tell us about Jesus? Because it says every story whispers his name. So how does Noah and the ark tell us about Jesus? Well, God punished Jesus for the sins of the world. And God, through Jesus, provides salvation for the whole world. And then God provided a promise to everybody in the Holy Spirit. So we're like, we're, we're reading creation and we see Jesus. And then we're reading about sin and yet we see the beauty of Jesus. And then we read about the whole earth being cleansed and we see Jesus in all of this. It's all connected. So cool. But, but, but ready, put your finger back here. Hmm. God restarted the world with Noah. Now it was a world uncorrupted by sin because he had cleansed it, right? And then God told people spread out over the whole earth. Oh, here's the question. Well, when, when Adam failed, his family didn't change their ways. The whole earth had to be destroyed. Noah was saved, and so we're restarting, right? Would mankind change his ways? Fill the earth, multiply, is what God said. And that leads us to this, to finding out no. They continued to rebel against God. And instead of spreading out across the whole earth, they decided to stay together. And they wanted to make a name for themselves. And so they built a tower to reach God. And we know that as the Tower of Babel. They didn't want to follow what the Lord said and spread out. They said, we're all going to stay together and we're going we're to build a tower so we can reach the gods. And God came and said, no, that, that's not the way to me. And he confounded their languages and he sent them across the whole earth because they wouldn't do it themselves. So he finally did it for them. And so we, we look at the story of the Tower of Babel and 
Here's, here's one verse that we can read. It says, Come, let us build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world because they didn't want to scatter all over the world, but God wanted his glory to cover the world. But they didn't want that. So we see in the Tower of Babel, huh, where is God's presence? Where is God's provision? God's presence and God's provision. Where is that in the Tower of Babel? And here's, here's what we see. That the people refused to go where God said to go. His presence wanted to go across the world through them and they didn't want to go. Instead, they wanted to make a name for themselves. And so they tried to build a tower to reach the presence of God. They were going to take care of themselves. That's a strange story. I don't know where we find Jesus in that story. But we know it's the Jesus story, but Bibles, how does every story whisper his name? When we look at the Tower of Babel, we see that unlike the people who didn't go where, wanted, where God wanted them to go, Jesus did go exactly where his father called him. He came to this earth. And when they wanted to make a name for themselves, Jesus said, no, no. I'll tell you what my name Jesus means. It actually means Yahweh or Jehovah saves. I'll tell you about my father. And then I love it. <laughs> the book of Psalms, we read that Jesus is actually called our high tower. <sighs> that means we don't have to build a tower to reach God. Instead, Jesus came down to us. Wow. Huh. Well, this Bible sure is interesting, but it's time to say hmm again. Ready? Finger. Ready? One, two, three. Hmm. God created a perfect world. Mankind rebelled. God cleansed the world. Mankind rebelled. How is God's presence ever going to dwell with and provide for mankind if they keep rebelling? I made Adam and he turned from me and so did all of his family. I saved Noah and his children turned from me and all their descendants. They wouldn't do what I'm going What? How am I ever going to allow my presence to dwell with men and they can experience my glory? How will that ever happen if they keep rebelling against me? Well, that leads us to the story of Abraham. <gasps> Abraham. Ah. Oh. You gotta listen carefully to this. God chose Adam. Adam rebelled. God chose Noah. It didn't take long before Noah and his family rebelled. God said, I'm done. I'm going to choose. I'm going to choose one man. I'm going to choose one man right where the Tower of Babel was built. I'm going to choose one man right from the middle of the rebellion. And he is going to be someone that I will bless. Bless. 
And this is what God said to Abraham. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. Didn't God try that with Adam? That didn't work. Didn't God try to do that by cleansing the world and starting over with Noah? And that didn't work. And God's not going to destroy the earth by flood anymore. So instead of that, he goes to the rebellious heart of the city. And he says, I'm going to take one man. And through you and your family, all the world is going to be blessed. But we have a major problem. He has no family. And God said, yep, this is why I chose him. Because what I am going to do through him is not going to be able for anyone to say, oh, well, look at what Abraham did. No, this is look at what God did. So God's going to choose one man. He chooses Abraham. And and here's the problem, though. This man's going to have to go through the same test that Adam failed. He's going to have to go through the same test that Noah and his family failed. Is he going to fail too? Well, would you say this with me? What are we looking for? Ready? God's presence and God's provision. Well, when God chose this one man named Abraham, it was through this one man and his family that God's presence would dwell. Oh, because here's the really cool thing. Through Abraham, Jesus would come. Yes. We ruined it. We totally ruined it. And God said, no, I'm in control here. Through this one man. So good. Through this one man, I am going to make my presence dwell with all men. And through this one man, I am going to provide for all the world. If you follow me so when God called Abraham well, would he rebel too well we do know this that Abraham followed God's presence because in Genesis chapter number 12 we see that he went to, to a land that he didn't know where he was going he just followed where God said but he got there and the problem is he has no children so he's in God's presence but ha, where's God's provision oh and then If we were to keep reading the Bible, we would find the coolest story that God said, Abraham, you're an old, old dude. You're as old as Dave Guzzi. (laughs) And Sarah, you and Judy Guzzi, we're not going to go there. I am am going to miraculously give you a child. And his name is Isaac. Oh, and Abraham was so excited. He was in God's presence and he felt God's provision. Yes, but then God put Abraham to the test, just like he did with Adam's family and just like he did with Noah's family. And guess what he told Abraham? He said, I gave you a son. Go sacrifice him for me. 
but God, I followed you like you told me to. You promised me that if, through my family the whole world would be blessed and now you're telling me to take the one son that you gave me when I was 100 years old and you want me to go sacrifice him? Would Adam rebel just like everybody else? Oh, no. See, Adam loved God most. He loved him even more than he loved his son Isaac. And I know you parents in here, you're like, how in the world could Abraham do that? Hey, go and read the story because here's what Abraham said. I know if I go, I don't know how, but I know if I go and do what God says to do, I will come back with my boy. He didn't know how. Oh, but he had faith in God. So, God's presence and God's provision was with Abraham and his family. So we've been looking for, right? God's presence and God's provision, it was right there. But wait a second, this is it's about Jesus, isn't it? Every story whispers his name. So how, how do we find Jesus? Well, Jesus, he followed and had faith in his father when his father said, go. And sacrifice your own life. And Jesus loved his father more than anything else, more than he loved himself, more than he loved his disciples, more than he loved anything. He loved his father. And when Jesus went to this cross, not this cross, but when Jesus went to a cross, Jesus made it possible for us now to have God's presence with us and to experience God's provision. He invites us to enjoy all that God created us for. Because I'm going to tell you something. God created you for the same reason he created Adam. Because he wanted you to experience his glory. And you experience his glory when you're in his presence. And he provides for you. That's just, that's just like the first 12 chapters of the Bible. Huh. So what is the Bible? A whole bunch of stories that are just telling us how good we're supposed to be. Oh, you got to live like this and you can't do that and you can't. Do no, that's not what the Bible is. Oh, the Bible is a large collection that tells us all about these people that have lived before us that really did live. Because God wanted us to know a couple things. When Jesus took the Bible and all the stories we didn't read in the Old Testament, he took the Bible and right before he went back up to heaven, he was with a group of people and he said this in Luke chapter number 24. He says, Jesus then took them through the writings of Moses and then all the prophets explaining from the scriptures the things, the things, the things about how you're supposed to live, about what you're supposed to do. All the things that tell you what's right and what's wrong? Ha, 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 ha. Nope. The things concerning himself. He tells them about Jesus. So what is our Bible? Oh, here's what the Bible tells us. It tells you how you were created. With the hand 
and the breath of God. <laughs> you know he still says that he forms us in the womb? That's why we want to fight for every child that's unborn because God formed them and he wants them to experience his glory. Oh, the Bible tells us how we're, we were created and then the Bible tells us this. Who's the king? Well, the one who created everything, he's the king. Most kings tell everybody what to do. Most kings are like, you're my servant. Here's what you're going to do. And here you're going to shine my shoes and go make my bed and make my supper. And you're going to do all this. So we know what lots of kings do. So when we finally find out who the king really is, well, we would totally experience, expect this king to treat us like every other king in the world. But oh no, the Bible doesn't tell us about that king. The Bible tells us about how awesome our king really is, how much he loved his people. He loved his people so much that when his father said, I want you to go lay your life down for those people we created who rebelled against us Jesus said I will for God so loved the world but God demonstrated his love towards us and that while we were still sinners Christ died for us oh, we find out who the king is but we find out how much the king loves his people he loves them so much he laid down his life for them but we also see how powerful our king is our king's not some wimpy dude I'm not gonna use any names for you guys right here we're not gonna talk about your dads and how wimpy maybe maybe the one of your dads is maybe maybe i would only choose if you're wearing black shirts by the way so that's the only thing i would say all right but but we're not going to go there all right we see how powerful the king is the king laid his life down and then the king took his life he was dead and he came back to life that's how powerful that he is and he is sitting on the throne in heaven right now and he rules this world our king does the king that laid his life down for you he's ruling the world today and here's what he's trying to do in that bible he's telling you how the big king can help all of us to live like little kings. But, but we're not kings like everybody else. We're not kings that tell people what to do. We're kings that lay our lives down. We're kings that love people even when they seem unlovable. We're kings that say, Father, whatever you want, this Bible, it's so amazing because it's not telling you just how you're supposed to live. It's telling you Jesus lived it for you. Come live the life Jesus lived and he will empower you to do so. You can live the life as a prince of God. That's the story of the Bible. And we took a little chunk just a little chunk 
I want you guys to know the Bible's awesome. Don't let it be boring. The Bible's amazing. Tells us about our king. He loves us. He's powerful. And he wants to live through us. And so today, so, so this week, all this work that so many people in this room have done to give you guys an awesome Bible school, they do it, you know why? Because they love the king. And they let the king work through them. And they're going to stand. They're going to tell you about the king. He's the greatest. Storybook of Jesus. It's all connected to God's presence and God's provision. I love you guys. You moms and dads, I hope that your kids get a chance to come this evening and every Wednesday as we open up one more chapter to hear about who the king is and what he loved us how powerful he is and how he wants to make us empower us to be his little kings here on his in his kingdom would you pray with me